Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Jim Ventura. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, whether it's your first time catching the show uh, live or um, in uh, archive, uh, welcome to my show. Uh, my name is Jim Ventura. Uh, I am a professional navigational consultant. Uh, my expertise is in astrology and numerology and tarot and animal cards and rune stones, all kinds of different oracles and things I've worked with for many, many years. Um, I do private sessions here in office in my home in Phoenix as well as by phone. Uh, information about the services that I offer can be found on my website at jimventura.com. I'm also a published author with a couple of books, uh, a couple in the works, which I will talk about once today. That's up and coming. And... Um, and I do a monthly column called uh, Snake Oil uh, that I've been doing for many years. If you're not already getting my monthly column, the service is free, so feel free to email me at VenturaSag at Yahoo.com, and I'll add you to the mailing list. Okay, anyway, uh, it's the beginning of the month, so uh, normally what I do is uh, I do a live column read um, and then subsequent talk a little more about that particular column. Um, this will not be a call-in show. Uh, I'm not going to take uh, live calls for today's show um, uh, just because I, I like to stay on topic um, and talk about subject, and it is only a 40, 45-minute show. So um, if you're looking to uh, ask questions or uh, occasionally I do astrology update shows and I do mini readings uh, for people uh, over over the air. I do those too often. I only do those every couple of months, but are those are the astrology update shows where I take live calls. So, Okay. Um, now, this particular column it was actually a, a repeated column that I wrote in uh, late 2010, early 2011, uh, when it was originally published in, um, in early 2011. So you know, one of the benefits of this particular column and why I chose to repeat it was because one, I've got a lot of people coming and going on my mailing list, and so people have been with me for years and following my columns uh, since 2003 when I started doing this. I've got people that are new. I've got people that, you know, get upset and you know, removed from my mailing list, or I just lose them naturally because they change emails or various other things. So and a lot of people read this column. A lot of people did not. I thought it was appropriate to run it again. Uh, the other benefit, of course, was I, I was really able to use this as an as a example of a very transformative experience or process that I went through personally uh, because there were a lot of uh, things that were going on in, in, in late 2010 and into 2011 when this was written that really marked the way I was living and what my beliefs were, and, and so much of that has changed um, so really in many ways radically in the last five years that that is one of the points that I think is really kind of cool about running this piece to show the contrast in perspective over a five-year period and how much they could change for the better. So um, I think I'll read the piece um, now, and then we'll uh, afterwards I'll, I'll start to discuss this concept a little more when you guys kind of know a little bit more what I'm talking about. If you have not read the piece already or heard it, um, then uh, this will be your chance to kind of get clear on all of that. So let me find my page here. Uh, okay. So this particular piece, again, it was originally run in early 2011, and it was called uh, Mirror Mirror. A few weeks before the restaurant, 
that I'd spent the last two years working at closed. The owner went on a bit of a rant one day. It was another painfully slow Friday lunch where only he and I worked. He had confided in me that unless we suddenly got a lot busier or found some new financial backing, he would have to close the restaurant permanently within the next few weeks. He was understandably angry and frustrated by the situation and needed to let off some steam. So I kept my mouth shut while he complained. Quote, the people in Phoenix don't appreciate excellent quality food. They prefer mediocre crap. They're going to be sorry when they find out we're no longer here. Hell, they only show up once or twice a year to eat here. They see us as a special occasion spot. How are we supposed to survive if people don't frequent the restaurant? Even with all the excellent reviews we've received, they still aren't coming. I think I might just pack it all up and get out of this stupid town once and for all. While it's never pleasant to let someone dump all their anger your way, I knew it wasn't directed at me. I could see that he really needed an ear. He wasn't wrong in some respects. There was some truth in his words. We had amazing food, and most people raved about it, but our numbers were not supporting the positive feedback we got. Still, something about the situation and listening to him made me uncomfortable. I knew there was something that was being triggered inside of me as a result of his rant. I was happy when a couple walked in for lunch. It was my job to take care of them, and it got me out of the uncomfortable conversation. This wasn't the first time I had heard the, quote, no one appreciates my excellent story. I had heard it many times before. As an advertising art major back in college, I heard all kinds of complaints about people lacking in sophistication and the ability to recognize true talent. A few years ago, I attended a barbecue with an actor friend of mine. Most of the people at the barbecue were a few years younger than me, and the majority of them were actors, directors, writers, in one form or another. All of them were connected with the performing arts. It was a cool, eclectic, attractive group of people. The food was actually quite good, and it was an enjoyable party. The only thing that tainted the night was that a number of the people I talked to were frustrated about being broke. I heard stories from a few struggling artists about, quote, how most people don't appreciate the real art and quality theater. It's near impossible to be successful in a town that doesn't value good actors or pay them well for their skills. People mostly crave crappy Hollywood movies and television sewage. They don't appreciate good writing or great acting. End quote. I heard many of these and similar versions of this type of complaint a few too many times that night. There was an excess of the poor, unappreciated me stories that tainted a night that could have been really fun. So, here I was again listening to a very likable, talented person complaining about how stupid people were. His anger was clearly masking how powerless he felt and that he might be failing in his endeavor. I didn't say much to him that day, but I kept thinking about the endless suggestions I and a few of the other servers had made to him in the last year. We suggested he keep an advertising budget. He didn't. We suggested he put ads in local gay publications to advertise the restaurant. Gays and lesbians are extremely loyal to businesses that advertise to them and typically don't mind paying extra for quality. He ignored that suggestion. We suggested he do morning local talk shows and volunteer to cook recipes from the restaurant on air. He didn't. 
We suggested he kiss the asses of nearby hotel concierge so they might send more of the guests staying their hotels our way. He didn't do that either. He followed the belief that since he had created something amazing, people would simply find their way to it. This worked to some extent. Some people found us, but most never even knew we existed. We were invisible in many ways. Our location and lack of visibility was a serious detriment to the restaurant's potential success. If more people had been aware of us, I believe we would have been more successful. Even with his mistakes and stubbornness, the owner, who I considered a friend, was a man with guts, a gambler, and was very intelligent. He often told some really funny stories. He was far from ordinary and was genuinely a likable guy. About a week before the restaurant closed, I had a few days when I was feeling a little under the weather. I decided to hide from the world and rest for a few days. I caught some extra sleep prior to shaking off a slight cold. It was during the time of my retreat that I realized I was holding a similar set of beliefs. The reason the owner's people are stupid rant bothered me so much was because he was mirroring many of my own limited beliefs. I had complained a number of times in similar ways about my own business. From time to time when my business got slow and income was tighter, I would complain. Quote, people don't appreciate the value of the work that I do. Most people would rather read a stupid magazine's astrology column or follow Chelsea Handler's dog's Twitter page rather than read my far more insightful columns and books. Seriously, her dog has more than a million followers on Twitter. Many of my clients see me as a once-a-year-at-best-or-special-occasion visit. Most people just want to complain about the problems they're experiencing and do nothing to try to solve them. My books and all my columns are equal to and often far better than many metaphysical authors, yet they would rather read crap, a little extra money to work with someone with real skill and talent. People aren't interested in real insight. They prefer only spending 20 bucks so some quick shock reading at psychic fairs. And these and a few of my other rants were very similar in tone to what I heard from my friend that day. There were times when I have been frustrated by slow periods of my business or lack of class attendance at book sales. I found myself thinking and sometimes torturing my friends with complaints like these when I ran into tight times. But what I realized during my retreat was most of the things I was suggesting to the owner that he ignored were really suggestions I was giving myself. I knew that many people appreciated my counseling work, classes, columns, and books, but in many ways I've been invisible. I have rarely advertised. I haven't sent my columns to other magazines or advertised my books at all in the last few years. How could people find out about my writing and other talents if they were never exposed to them? I distanced myself from doing lectures and classes in local bookstores for the past few years. I was currently only reaching a small audience because I was putting myself out there because I wasn't putting myself out there to reach more people. Hiring a publicist, doing more radio shows, getting my lazy ass out into the world in a larger way was what I really needed to do. People rarely magically show up at your front door. They need to know you exist to find you. I continually remind my clients that we often react most strongly to people that mirror elements within us. They often exaggerate, sometimes in an almost cartoon-like way, the worst and best elements of ourselves. This can be hard to see, even for metaphysically evolved people. When the mirrors are uncomfortable ones, I was guilty of playing the struggling artist who is an appreciated game. When a frustrated 
When we're frustrated or experiencing difficulties, it's easy to assign blame, complain, and criticize other people's mistakes. The problem is that this takes away from the positive, assertive use of creative energy and talents that we all have. There was another gift that came when my part-time job ended. I uncovered a strong, negative core belief that was limiting my success and can now weed it out once and for all. Okay, so I published this column back in uh, February of 2011. So uh, literally, like I said, we're looking at a a five-year window span of of when I decided to republish the column. Um, Very interesting at at multiple levels, so I want to talk a bit about that. Before I do, I I see I'm getting a number of people jumping into the um, – on the phone lines. Uh, I'm very happy you guys joined me today, but uh, I won't be taking live calls. Uh, I only take live calls during the astrology update shows when I, I'm able to do a few mini-readings at the end of the show, so I will not be taking live calls for today's show, but I do appreciate your calls. Um, uh, okay, so back to the topic. Um, so what, what was kind of fun about uh, reprinting this is, again, it's five years later, I, I'm living a very, very different existence from for where I was during that period of time. You know, when we look at this at a practical angle, um, 2010, 2009, 2008, um, those were pretty rough years for a lot of people financially, especially um, people who were self-employed. You know, we we were in an economic recession. um, So really in practicality, a lot of people, a lot more people than than the normal numbers were struggling. I was among those people. Uh, That's why I had a thriving business up until 2007, and then 2008, my business began to dip. And I had to go back to waiting tables and bartending for two more years, which is what I did. And this was the tail end of that experience when I, when the, the, the owner of the restaurant eventually had to go bankrupt uh, because he, he couldn't make it. And absolutely, the thing that was interesting about this story was, you know, we got that restaurant open to rave reviews. We're up in Phoenix Magazine. Uh, it really, for the first year it was there, it was did fairly well. Uh, the second year it dipped a lot. And it, there was a lot of practical reasons for that, as I mentioned in the piece, about things he could have done and didn't. But another part of it, of course, was, uh, again, economically we were in really difficult times. So it wasn't an inexpensive restaurant. It wasn't extremely expensive, but people were looking for Groupon things more, things of that nature during that time. Okay, so... Um, uh, eventually, he he went down, and and I, again after the two year period with working with him and that experience, uh, I sort of struggled a bit in 2011. But by 2012, things were improving a lot with my business. Um, and 2013, I was really thriving and doing well, and I, I have been ever since. Uh, I, you know that that's changed completely. And again, I'm going to talk about that more in a little bit. Uh, but. The point I had written about in the piece about the Mira Mira idea is, yeah, guys, we do – what we react to most strongly in other people often is attributes of ourselves in some exaggerated type of a way. And, and I had seen this even, uh, like I had said in the piece, you know, when I was an artist in, um, in art school, the same type of thing, uh, no one understands my art. Um, saw this at that barbecue I mentioned about in the article about the actors. And, you know, we, we – it's not that there isn't some truth to what we're ultimately saying, but as I constantly continue to remind my clients when I work with them, your beliefs form your reality. Um, if you don't believe that, your beliefs will still form your reality. 
that is the way we experience life. Uh, it, it's just, it's a magical thing, and it's, of course it's a pain in the ass when you're invisible, when your beliefs are somewhat invisible. And and that's what I one of the things I really had wanted to point out in this particular piece was I had not seen until my boss's rant that day how much of a core belief this was with me. I really was carrying that no one sees my excellence and, and all of that um, stuff to the nth degree, um, and, and, and so was he. So he acted as a great catalyst for me in an obnoxious way to wake me up and look at that belief I was carrying around. So what I did to solve that issue is when the restaurant ended, um, and I still had my business, I was always getting clients, I just was not really making really enough money to necessarily get by. Um, so it, it, it was rough. I mean, these were these were rough years um, that I was going through. When I was at the restaurant, it was uh, I still had my business, but I definitely needed that extra income. So to that level, it was rough. But that's what it is. I started looking at all these beliefs I had about money and finances and success. So and weeding those out and making changes to the way I perceive things um, at a practical level, of course. I also began to do more marketing. Um, yes, I ran Groupon promotions during those years for a year or two. I did a number of different types of things to enhance and get my name out there and, and bring business in. And, and some of those at a very practical level were uh, difficult. Uh, the Groupon stuff brought in a lot of new clients, but oh my God, I mean, I made so little money from from doing those things. I mean, I would have four appointments in a day and, and I'd be lucky if I was pulling in 50 or 60 bucks. You know what I mean? Unbelievable. Because um, really, Groupon-type promotions are, rather than pay for the advertising, you're cutting the cost of your service dramatically to market it, and then you're giving the Groupon companies as different types a huge chunk of the money on top of it, too. So, I mean, I was averaging like 10, 11 bucks an hour. Horrible, you know, for, for someone from maybe mid 40 something. If you're making that kind of money and you're comfortable with it, wherever you're at in life, that's awesome. But for me, it was just not a livable wage for me uh, to ultimately live on. Um, so, yeah, I took practical methods, too. But, again, a big part of it wasn't even just the practical methods. Those were sort of a part of it. But it really was that I, I had to get rid of these, these ridiculous beliefs that I was carrying about, you know, St. Jim is amazing and no one sees how amazing it is. Ah, shut up. Do what you got to do. Do what you do. Do it well and put it out there. So I want to talk more about this in another context as I'm working, beginning the process of, of starting another book. I want to talk to you guys about that today um, and talk to some of the principles behind that, which will help a lot with your concept of prosperity in just a minute here. But the beautiful thing is, again, by like I said, by the time I had hit 2013, I had weeded out a lot of beliefs. I obviously no longer needed to do Groupon promotions. I had uh, really increased my business. And again, I have not had really even a waiver financially. I'm very comfortable. I make good money. I could even make a lot more money if I really put even more effort out there to being seen and recognized. But honestly, I you know I do between 12 and 20, 22 appointments a week. I'm fine. You know what I mean? I'm I'm very comfortable. I don't I have no real desire to make a fortune. Um, uh, I'm comfortable. I make good money. I, I'm able to live well. Um, I, I like that. I'm saving money, you know, tons, but I'm, I'm saving money. I'm very comfortable with that. But it was a combination of those things, that shift and change in my beliefs, looking at what I was, my self-talk, what I was saying to myself, and also, you know, taking the practical steps necessary to, to change my experience. So this is the kind of the combination that I often suggest to clients. Um, if you're already getting my monthly newsletter, um, I'm doing a special this month just for February. 
Um, uh, no, I don't do it all normally anyway, but it's at a discounted price to uh, give a little people some incentive to to do the sessions, but whether by phone or in office. Um, uh, there are sessions I've offered for a long time called reality creating sessions, where I teach people this concept of of how our beliefs form a reality. We look at an area in your life where you're meeting obstruction, you're not happy with the result, and we look at changing those beliefs, and then I teach people the methods, the practical methods to get those beliefs to shift. Um, this is not esoteric craziness, guys, and this is, this is what the piece is clearly uh, <laughs> suggesting in that sense. Uh, it's this in fantasy. You know, something short of having your arm chopped off and you'd like to grow another one, well, we probably can't do that. Uh, even theoretically, we might be able to, but just from a practicality of agreements we've made individually and in mass, it's unlikely. But if you're not, if you don't have love, you can create love. If you don't have wealth, you can create wealth. If you don't have health, you can create health. I'm telling you, a lot of it is built into the beliefs that we carry and that we follow about life. So when we come to recognize what they are and are willing to change them, yeah, you can very tangibly change your reality and, and your experience. I've done this many times uh, in my life in different areas. So I can very comfortably say, you know, really for the most part, I'm in a pretty good space. Personally, I'm happy with my life in almost all areas. It's not really a lot that I'm struggling with at any level. Um, and, you know, and, and the areas that I, things are not necessarily perfect are because I recognize at some level that I'm creating it that way for a reason. But there's a purpose behind that too. But I absolutely recognize that I can discreate it. I can change it at any point. And that I very well may uh, as my situation shifts and grows, and if I, I want something different, I'm able to do that. So that's one of the things, like I said, that I, I do with clients. You know, I've always taken a little bit of a different road with the um, oracles and the work that I do. Uh, and let me kind of give you my breakdown on all that in a nutshell. Now, to me, this is the thing. Your astrology and your numerology, um, they really show us our disposition. Uh, you know, before we're born and come into the world in a very physical way, we ultimately uh, make certain decisions about the basic structure of what our life is going to be at a higher self level. Uh, obviously, we, we pick our parents at some level for genetic influence as well as other influences. I know that makes people groan if you had a shitty childhood, <laughs> of course, but uh, there's still purpose in that sense that way. Um, we, we uh, you know, so our astrology and our numerology, these are vibrational patterns and tones and, and things that have to do with larger structures of issues and areas of expertise and areas of challenge that we see in astrology charts and through numerology. So, yeah, when none of this is accidental. We, we basically ultimately set up a basic design plan. That's why there's a tremendous value in um, in knowing and understanding your astrology chart, tremendous value in understanding your numerology, because you do understand the larger patterns of who you are and why you are in that sense. Okay, so then comes choice. Then we make choices. When we come into this world, we form beliefs during childhood, we sometimes change them, we shift them around, we keep some, we get new ones, we, we adjust accordingly, but we ultimately make choices. Even when you, you know, when I lay out a tarot card spread for a client, let's say I do a six-month spread. We look at now what the major themes are in the next six months. The thing I always tell people is this. This is the probable direction it's going in the next six months. 
is it definitively going to go that way? It's everything according to the card saying going to happen exactly as it says it's going to. It may, and there's a good chance a lot of it will. Um, but we make decisions and we make choices and, and, and we make changes accordingly. Listen, if you do a tarot spread and you're struggling with your job and you're not feeling fulfilled and you're feeling mistreated and all the cards show you more difficulty ahead, well, here's the thing. That could actually act as a spur at some level. You may say, you know what? I think I'm going to quit this job and find another job. I think this is enough for me to say, now, I don't want this anymore. I don't want struggle. I don't want difficulty. So, you know, that, you know, that, that may or may not be predicted in the cards. We make changes accordingly. But that's why it's still kind of amazing to work with those type of things because they really do give us insight. But I always remind people, listen, our, our choices, again, and our beliefs form our reality. So, um, you know, we do shift and change and grow, and, and that's one of the things that's amazing about ultimately being a human being and having the ability to do that, having the ability to have free will. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why, you know, I remember many years ago I had a woman that came, a young girl came to me, and she was 20, 19, 20, so struggling with relationship stuff. So our career also. And she asked me to do a 10-year spread. And listen, I, I actually said I, I didn't really advise it, that um, it would be, you know, looking at a probable course of 10 years. And so, you know, what the cards basically showed, I did it. She wanted to. Um, honestly, I probably wouldn't do it again for someone. I'm glad I did it to remind me why I don't do that. Uh, in a nutshell, her cards ultimately said that there would be three primary men or relationships that would come up in the next 10-year period before she would settle down with someone in a relationship. Well, her answer to that, of course, was why would I waste my time with the first couple of guys? I want to just find that guy now. So she, I never saw her again. She ended up getting a little frustrated by that information. I never heard from her again. Um, you know, uh, it was shock of shock. So this is the thing people do sometimes. If they don't like the information or they don't like something I say, they get mad and they never come back to me or something, you know. I, I play my violin with sadness about that. Go away. Crazies. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I'm going to get some of that occasionally along the way. I don't I don't take that personally. One of the things that's sort of nice about getting older is uh, there's going to be people that dislike me. Oh, well. Uh, but it was, it, it, for me, it was just that realization of too much can change anyway within a 10-year span. So you're asking to look at a lot in that way. Um but the, but the thing is, both with cards and with runes and, and all kinds of things, really, to me, those are more about evolving as a person so you become more intuitively smart and make better decisions and understand that we go through lessons that teach us and help us to grow, that there really are no bad experiences. If we go through something, it is part of our process and will eventually bring us to a new sense of purpose. Uh, but, you know, on the other side, when I work with people on a regular basis and and, and work with them changing their beliefs and looking at fears and other limitations and things that they, they are operating with. You know, my ultimate goal is to get them to be really strong, confident people. Um, I just saw a client today who I've worked with since probably 2001, 2002, uh, quarterly. I, she's, uh, she moved, so she does her sessions by phone. You know, i got to tell, tell you, again, sometimes I feel like the proud daddy, even though she's uh, about... 14 years older than me. <laughs> I thought the proud daddy sometimes because she's so, it's so impressive how much she's grown. 
uh, and, and where she's at and how much more confident she is and how much more decisive she is and, you know, she's beginning her own business. And it's just amazing to, to see that transformation. I get to see when I've helped people, ultimately still realizing that they've done it themselves. Okay, back to this whole topic here of the mirror, mirror thing. So a couple of points I want to bring up, and then I had said I wanted to mention something about a book I was working on that I think would be helpful and give a lot of people some really, really good insight um, into, uh, into uh, uh, you know, the, the, the idea of financial prosperity, which was one of the points I think that was left made with this particular um, uh, uh, piece in the first place. So, one, um, again, what we react to often very strongly in other people are often elements or attributes of ourselves, again, sometimes played out in exaggeration. Um, I think that's important to, uh, to, uh, to see that even if it does make us uncomfortable. Um, you know, and, and keep, keep this in mind, guys. You know, that's the negative aspect of this in the sense that sometimes we see ugly characteristics or elements of the people that we're reactive to that could possibly be in a small way a part of who we are too. The reverse also works. Um, when, you, when, you, when you see something amazing in a human being or you, you're a friend that you greatly admire or someone that you love or you adore being around your child because of the innocence in her or, listen, they're reflecting that element within us as well too. Uh, you know, th this works in, in both capacities, both, again, in, in waking us up in terms of where we may be limited or blocked, but also, you know, obviously in the, in the positive sense as well, too, because even, you know, when you fall in love with someone, you know, you, you're really often falling in love with elements or attributes of yourself in some type of a way. If, for instance, if you fall in love with someone who, because they're beautiful physically, Part of that is to, uh, you know, you get to have someone that you find attractive and they hopefully they love you back as well too, but often that person may act as a catalyst for you to allow your own inner beauty to come out, for you to allow yourself to be that as well too. Uh, you know, this operates, you know, more more clearly than we know. When you look at that, an astrology chart, um, all the houses of astrology reflect each other. The first house in astrology of the twelve represents our personality, who we are. The seventh house is who we tend to marry or partner with or are drawn to. Um, so ultimately, and this is one of the reasons why I tell people, listen, all of your friendships, all your relationships, all your marriages, all your partnerships aren't necessarily going to last for a lifetime. You may only need an element that someone, you're, you, or elements that you're drawn to in someone for a few years and then find that you're no longer drawn to that or you have that or you've changed in what you pull or what you want in that sense. Um, you know, most really long-term marriages or relationships that, you know, go for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, um, if you talk to the people involved in those long-term relationships, they will tell you that the relationship evolved and grew in a different way. Uh, they adapted to each other. They may have gone through ups and downs. They, they stayed together not for possibly the original reasons that they came together in the first place. It evolved, and they became more uh, connected at other levels. Um, so, you know, again, one of the things I tell people is, you know, every job you have isn't necessary for life. Every relationship you have isn't necessary for life. Um, uh, sometimes we get what we needed out of it, and then no longer it is what we need, and, and we've grown and we've changed, and that situation has evolved and changed as well. Don't ever consider that weakness uh, in, in that respect. 
It, it often is not. Uh, so, okay. So one of the things I was talking about in this piece, I know this is a, a subject that I have a lot of people asking uh, me about, of course, is money and finances and success and, and, and all those things. You know, and it's always very cute because I get people who, you know, will say, well, with all your intuitive abilities and things, how come you pick the lottery numbers or, or something like that? Um, you know, my answer to that is very humorously because I don't actually want to. Um, you know, I've said this before probably even in other shows when I've discussed with people. I mean, you know, I, I, was, in, uh, I was in Las Vegas. I, I like to gamble for fun in a fairly pragmatic way, actually. Uh, uh, and I was in Vegas uh, back in November, and I, I won $2,000 on a 60-cent bet when I was gambling. And people say, oh, you're a high roller. I said, no, that's about the normal bet range most people are making when they're gambling on slot machines or uh, table games, of course, or more. Um, but part of that was um, applied mathematics. I'm a mathematician, so I play a lot of video poker and things that take a little bit more of a skill edge to them. Uh, but part of it is also because I actually believe that I'm lucky. <laughs> that was a belief I had for many, many years, and that belief seemed to d disappear during the economic times when I was struggling. I had forgotten that I believed I was lucky. So I brought that back, and it was really lucky what happened. But, you know, I laughed because I, I didn't really need that extra two grand. Uh, it's nice that I have it. It's nice that I got it. Um, did I need it? No, I'm, I'm fine. You know what I mean? My bills are all paid uh, the moment they come to the door. Uh, I'm living relatively comfortable. Um, so uh, I didn't really need it, but it was a nice little bone. But, you know, you hear that belief that a lot of people carry that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Uh, one, it's a belief. But, you know, examine your beliefs and decide whether a belief that you carry may be of value um, and, and carry it that way. I, I have a belief that I'm, I'm ultimately lucky, and uh, that has panned out uh, very, very well for me, by the way. But now I don't, you know, winning, you know, winning five grand, winning, you know, would be great. If I won, uh, you know, $10 million, um, most of it would end up going to charities and things of that nature anyway. I mean, I don't really want that kind of money. I, I don't. You know, I always laugh at this because we look at, like, hoarders, people who hoard uh, books and, and pots and pans and they get shows about hoarders on television, crazy people. But yet, we don't look at billionaires that way, as hoarders. <laughs> so I've always said this, I get wanting to be a millionaire or a multimillionaire. I can understand that. Billionaires, it's cuckoo. When you have more money than you can ever spend in 15 lifetimes, it's bordering into the psychotic silly zone. As far as I'm concerned, so no, I have no desire to win the lottery. Uh, you know, uh, could I probably do it if I focus on it? Yeah, I guess it's possible. Um, I, I, I think I could. I might be able to dream the numbers or something. But no, don't ask me for that. I'm not going to do that uh, for for anybody else either. Better. <laughs> uh, take me off my path. It would make me a lot lazier. I might not do the work that I'm meant to do in, in this life if, if that came too easy. Uh, so that's an element of it. But since we're getting close and running out of time here, um, I wanted to mention this book idea that I'm working on uh, has to do with the prosperity uh, uh, idea. I think I'm going to do a local class here in Phoenix uh, probably in May of this year um, with some of these ideas. Um, you know, I don't have a huge home, uh, so it's only usually about eight students I take in the home. 
Um, you know, I might down the line start doing seminars or larger things for people to reach with this, but this is probably going to be a mini. So it's going to be mostly for locals. They'll usually take one call in person. Uh, if you want information on that, you, you got to be getting my newsletter, guys, uh, once a month. And uh, if you get my newsletter, you'll be able to get a heads up on these before other people do. Um, and the class fills. But uh, here's the concept. Um, my tentative working title for this book is um, Money and Success, uh, uh, Getting Your Peace by Making Peace. I don't know if that is going to be the title, but it is a, a tentative title at this point in the game. Um, so uh, basically, you know, because I'm in a much stronger place financially and practically, I've really begun to see that there are three what I'm going to call pillars that are required for a person to be successful. Now, we can apply this to financial things and practical matters, of course, but you know, the more I thought about this, it certainly could apply to uh, relationships and other elements of life as well, too, in, in terms of being successful with it and having fulfillment and having enough and feeling prosperous and all of those areas. But So we'll, we'll approach it from the financial perspective, but the pillars basically hold true in a number of ways. And again, I see it really breaks down to three of them. So, so whether this is having your own business or working for someone, same thing applies. First thing, um, you've got to show up. You have to be on time. You have to be reliable. You have to not call in sick. You have to be known as someone who is counted on. Um, emotional problems, psychological issues, you don't bring them to your job. You don't bring them to work. You don't let that make you call in sick. You don't... If you've done that in the past, stop it, period, period, stop that. Be reliable, be consistent. When you work for someone or you work for others, even in your own capacity, developing the fact that you're reliable is huge as an element of, of success. Uh, people will be comfortable. They'll be able to count on you. Um, I can count on one hand the number of times I've screwed up an appointment in the last 20 years. Um, and I wouldn't even need a whole hand or all the fingers to do it. I don't do that. If I make a mistake, uh, again, which very rarely happens, um, I will often uh, discount or give the client a session for free because of my mistake. Uh, of course, again, that just almost never happens. Uh, so one, reliability. Two, keep learning and advancing the knowledge in the areas of your expertise. Now, whether you do that through schooling in a traditional way or online or you just read books or you just keep working on it mentally and analytically, that's a big key component, guys. You've got to keep improving what you do. Now, if you're doing the type of work that you love anyway, of course, this is a lot easier, which is another reason to do work that you love because you're fascinated by the subject anyway. Of course, that's what you're going to do. You're, you're, you're turned on by it. You love it. You keep learning. Uh, you know, my, my study of, of metaphysics um, in all capacities, it's never ending. I've been fascinated by this since I'm, you know, 15 or 16, um, and I'm, I'm 51 years old now. I, I, I love it. I still read different books and magazines, and I observe things in nature, and I take notes, and I readjust my craft. So yeah, be um, continue to learn uh, and improve. Third thing, and this is a biggie. A lot of people miss this one for multiple reasons, but it's easier to have the third one when you have the first two. By the way. The third thing is to know that you're awesome, know that you're good, know that when you go to a job or you do work for someone, that they are going to most likely be happy with the result of what you do. 
Yes, you will encounter people that don't like your style or your work, but really, by and large, a lot of success has to do with confidence internally, where you are proud of what you are. You're confident about it. You know what you do is good. Listen, there's always room for healthy humility, but ultimately, confidence is read to others as uh, appealing uh, at some levels. Uh, When I waited tables and bartended, I had started in that field at a very, very young age. By the time I was in my late 20s into my 30s when I applied for a job, I rarely went in with the idea that I hope they hire me. I wonder if they'll hire me. Are you kidding me? I, I knew I was going to be an asset to any place I worked. So I often went in very confidently. And if I wasn't hired, um, I <sighs> sounds arrogant, but I mean, I would just see it as kind of their loss, that it wasn't the right fit or that, it was, uh, you know, ultimately a mistake on their part not to see what was in front of them. Um, so I, I never struggled with that. The same thing with the work that I do now. I, I feel like the people that come to me and work with me are smart. They found me. They see, uh, they see that they, they are going to get help and assistance in a good way. So, and the ones that don't come, that's cool too. You know, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. But there's a confidence there. So when all these, these things are in play, um, your likelihood of success is much higher. Now, obviously, this is sort of obvious, stepping back and thinking about this in relation to money, finances, and career. Again, same thing with a a relationship. You can put it in those terms, too. Show up, be reliable. You know, uh, be, you know, be with, with someone, be, be consistent, be reliable. Don't you know, don't mess with them in that concept, in that way. Uh, to go, you know, of course you're going to work to improve the relationship. It's a big mistake that, that people make. They get too comfortable when they're with someone and they don't try anymore. <laughs> you got to keep working a little to improve. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, a constant, but it should be there at some level. And, and third thing, of course, is the feeling inside that you're valuable, you're lovable. You're awesome. You're wonderful. And, and, and that's not a fake pretend thing. Be that <laughs> so you can feel that way. So all those components, to me, when they go into something, really will produce the result that we're ultimately seeking. So I, I, I'm going to have started notes on this book. I'm going to do kind of a seminar on it locally. Um, if I get a lot of response, I may do a larger one that people may be able to attend because I'll probably break it into two classes. I can break it into a lot more. But there's so many different elements to this uh, that really it is a fascinating subject, one I've studied and really am very proud to be very confident in at at this point in the game. Okay, so it looks like we're running out of time here. So, uh, boy, that that went fast. I haven't done a radio show in a couple of weeks. Uh, Trying to get an astrology update show in the next couple of weeks. I haven't done one in a while. A lot of stuff going on, so it'll be worth talking about. I'll give an opportunity for my callers to, to call in. Like I said, I know... Um, I don't do as many shows as I used to, so my following isn't as strong. But I still get a lot of people jumping into the chat room and uh, said that when I do my live reads, I would love to take calls about the subject we're talking about. But most of them, that's not what people are going to ask. They're going to ask about a personal thing. And, and listen, when I when I do the mini reads on the astrology update shows, I, I love doing that. So there's no problem with that. I just I don't want it to take away from the subject matter that we're on. Okay, so uh, open yourself up to the mirrors that are there. Uh, see what's going on, uh, both the good and the bad, and, and, and adjust yourself accordingly, and, and you'll, you'll definitely be able to grow and be a lot happier. Uh, I'm in a good space myself, and very happy to be sharing that, that concept with my clients and the people I'm around. Um, if you're not already getting my monthly newsletter, email me at mentorsag.yahoo.com. 
uh, just request to be on the newsletter mailing list. Uh, it's one, uh, and it's um, it's uh, blind copied, so no one will ever get your email address from you. You will not get a bunch of sales crap from me or anyone else for that matter. I don't do that. Um, and uh, if you have information about any of my books, uh, you can. Uh, my books are available on Amazon, but you can just get them directly through me. And uh, also, if you're interested in sessions, check out all the info on my website at jimventurek.com. Okay, guys. Thanks for joining me today. I'll be back here in a couple of weeks. I got a book show, and I will be doing that. It was great uh, doing a live show. Um, everybody have a, a great day and happy spring. Well, at least for Phoenix and California in this area. <laughs> People are starting to get warm finally here. So uh, have a great day, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers.